I'm Hilary Naughton. Welcome to the Uprint Podcast. It's time to remember your power and become the architect of your reality. Join me as we explore the art of intentional co-creation. We delve into the science and the magic. Hear expansive stories from entrepreneurs and creatives around the world who channeled their ideas and inspiration into real life by following their passions and staying true to their inner guidance. My intention is to empower you to act on your desires and live a life in vibrant color. Thanks for tuning in. Now we vibe. Good day, everyone. Oh, today is a really special episode. It is the very first time that we've got a musical guest on who is going to perform live. The beautiful, amazing, incredibly talented Cass Eager. She is a modern soul singer songwriter. And it's been said she is one of the best female singers in Australia. She's got more soul than heaven on a busy day and a voice so sweet she could sing the phone book and you wouldn't get bored. And as a friend of hers who has heard her sing many times, I can attest to all of that and more. Really, her talent transcends this lifetime. (laughs) If you want to go there, she, whatever she's tapping into is, is deep soul and talent. And I can't wait for you to hear her sing. Her current single, If You Were My King, makes me think of, of the queen and king in all of us. And like Cass will say in the episode, there's room for everyone at the table. And being a queen or a king doesn't mean that there's just one. It's it's an energy. It's a vibration. It's a feeling. It's a way of being. So as you listen to her music and this episode, think about what that means to you. How can you tap into that feeling of queendom, kingdom, and embody that energy now? Oh, in this episode, we talk about so much. We talk about pushing through fear to act on your instincts and just go for it. She calls it just fuck it. <laughs> go like this fuck it vibe of just go for it. And let's give this a go. And remembering that life is supposed to be fun. Take away, strip back all of what you think you should be doing or all of the judgment you think other people are casting on you. And what do you actually want to do with the little amount of time, the blip of time that you have in this experience? Something to consider as you listen. Uh, We talk about Al Green and this very serendipitous encounter that she had. If you don't know who Al Green is, he is a, a soul singer from the 1970s turned reverend. He sang, let's stay together, love and happiness, tired of being alone. I want to sing a little bit for you, but you know what? I don't want to ruin it because <laughs> my voice is nothing like Cass's. So look him up on Spotify because that story is, if you know Al Green, is just like, oh my God, can you believe it? But yeah, I can believe it. So if you are cooking dinner, if you're driving along the road, coming home from work, if you are working out right now, I hope that the message gets to you and that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation, because I have to say this is definitely one of my favorites. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
sitting here with the beautiful singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, Cass Eager. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Before we got on, I was just saying, God, there's, you're the first guest I've had that has a, a more sultry voice than me. So, Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. You were gonna, just going to do your L'Oreal spot. Oh, I will fuel rumors about how young I look with L'Oreal. Oh my God, that's so good. You actually <laughs> did that for a thing. I did do. That was one of my voiceover jobs. It's my side hustle. It's your, oh yeah, no. Well, you have many side hustles that all involve your voice and music and all the things, and we'll jump into those. But we always start the the podcast with the same questions. I think it's really important for the listeners to be able to get a glimpse of themselves and you. And I think when we're kids and the way that we grow up, people can really identify with each other. Mm. So how and where did you grow up? I grew up in Sydney, um, just in a, you know, normal little house with my sister and my dad and my mum and our dog, Chippy. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a normal life. Um, the, one thing I, the one thing I do remember is we had a room which was, and our house wasn't particularly large, but we had a room, it was called the Little Room, and it was, uh, it was just literally walls of records and a bench seat and a record player. So I think maybe that has contributed to my maybe an idea that, you know, music is worthy of, you know, if it's worthy of a room in the house, then it's, it's a, you know, it's a worthy kind of pursuit, um, I think, because it, it just sort of struck me years later that we had that room and how special it was and how we used to just go in and put a record on and sit on the bench and read the, no- read the liner notes and listen to the music and music would always be playing through the house and... Um, you know, it was anything from like Shirley Bassey to Moody Blues to Neil Diamond to uh, Palita. Um, and, you know, and now it's great because uh, I have some of my dad's old record collections. When he passed, I got I got some of those old ones. I put them on and it reminds me of, you know, yeah, just the little room, sitting in the little room listening to music. Oh, my God, the little room. Okay, so that's – I was just chatting to someone this weekend about she's a muso like you and she was saying – I was like, how do I get my kids into music? And she said, the best thing you can do is just put the instruments out, have everything laying there. Don't don't try and force anything. Don't pressure them. Just have it out and available to them. And that's why we have that little guitar in the corner. <laughs> we just took it out of its case. It's not a little room, but – it's um that is a very cute guitar. Yeah, thank you. My mom got it for for Isla. Um oh. yeah, a baby Taylor, but um we're all kind of strumming on it. It was the first time this morning everyone knew you were coming over and we're like, "All right, we're going to show her that we play music too." <laughs> <laughs> so that I would say that 100% uh, you know that what we're exposed to at, at a young age is really forms our personality, our interests when we're older. It's been studied and proven time and time again. What did your parents do professionally? My dad was a journalist with the ABC and he was actually the weatherman on the ABC, the, the evening weatherman with uh, Ross Simons. So, you know, on the, the 
the nightly news. He was like the the dude at the end. Oh my god, calling the weather. Yeah, <laughs> we used to go in sometimes and stand because it was they shoot it live, and so we'd go and stand in the studio, my sister and I. And I always remember saying, you know, if we coughed right now, the whole world would hear us. <laughs> um, they would have. Yeah, but he he was very formative in help in starting Landline, which is you know like a um, kind of major agricultural rural program. Um, because he grew up studying, um, he went to agricultural college and then became a, um, a rural journalist, broadcaster. And, um, yeah, and then he ended up doing the weather and basically, um, you know, many, many years, his whole career with the ABC. Wow. And my mum was, um, my mum was in, oh, my mum's got a great story actually. Talk about manifesting your life. So she grew up in a tiny little town in Queensland called Maryborough and, uh, as soon as she finished school, she got, she did two jobs for a year. She she worked in a ra- in a radio station, uh, washing the vinyl records and assisting the DJs. Wait, washing them? Yeah, you can just wash them with detergent. You put them in the dish rack. Oh, you're supposed to wash vinyl records. Yeah, because they get dusty and dirty. And- oh, I would never even think of that. Okay, yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> and her other job was um, was the you know the the girl that used to have the flashlight in the movie cinema that would guide you to your seats. Um, and, and so she did those two jobs for a year and then she hopped on a boat to Hong Kong out of this tiny little country town and um, her uncle um, and uh, oh, was it her uncle or great uncle? I can't remember. Some relative was over there working in, uh, in Hong Kong um, at, with his wife and they lived there. So she went and moved in with them and then became uh, an international flight attendant with Cafe Pacific. And uh, Oh, my God. That's yeah. like in the heyday. Of yeah, flight attendants. super hip. Oh, my God, she's got the best photos of, like, those old school hip little, you know, air, flight attendant costumes. Oh, and you could smoke on the plane. And... Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. She probably did. She probably did. Yeah, I'm sure she'll hear this so we can get more scoop. Love you, Mum. Yeah, love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what an insp- she was such an inspiration. I mean, both of them, right? Like, one's a journalist, one's a flight attendant. Mum, with that story, she's just taught both my sister and myself just to be, you know, really strong, independent women, anything's possible. And her love of travel, she made sure both of us, she, she, um, you know, paid for us to go over to Europe and do a trip, you know, as soon as we were out of school so that we were schooled in life, not just in school. Um, And that made the world of difference. I think that really, you know, broadened our horizons and made us see... You know, now I like thinking of myself from outside even Earth, let alone outside Australia. 100%. We're going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take the slow ride. We'll take the slow ride there, yes, to the intergalactic (laughs) superhighway. So that makes perfect sense now because I've known you for a couple of years now. We met when all of the craziness first started. Amber, you said that you're a musician and this one was when no one could perform and there were no gigs happening and all the things because no one could sing or dance or do anything. And then uh, about maybe it was six months ago, you did Broad Beach. And that was the first time I saw you sing live. And I was like, holy shit, you like, you are a muso, like your voice, your, the instrument that you have is just next level. And I'm just, that's a, a, a little, I guess, intro into Cass is going to be singing for us and sharing that with us at the end of the episode. So hold on for that. But 
part of the reason I wanted you to come on, not just about the music, is also that you're very intentional about the way that you create. And from knowing bits about your story, you followed the breadcrumbs to kind of get where you are now. Can you take us back after the little room and being inspired and growing up with music? What was that next step to kind of get you to start pursuing this passion? Mm. Well, I was singing in school musicals and I always wanted the lead, but I I only got as far as the, you know, the chorus. Um, but only because there was this fantastic singer that got always got the lead. I was like, Dad. <laughs> Where is she? Do you remember her name? Uh, no, yeah, I remember her first name. She she actually sang with a quite a big Aussie band for a while. So oh, cool. yeah, she was great. Um, but um, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I actually it was it just sort of um rolled out without any kind of like it wasn't intentional that I was like right this is what I'm doing with my life I just know I always loved music and I always found myself doing it somehow um so I was in cover bands when I left school even when I I went to uni and did a bachelor of arts and um and was in cover bands while I did that and terrible horrible like crappy shitty gigs but you know that was uh, you have to you have to learn I mean I remember day like before gigs I would be in the toilet nauseous and often throwing up and I remember thinking god I can't wait till this passes you know but I I, it's funny that I just I didn't question not doing it you know like none of no part of me was like oh I'm I'm feeling like this maybe I maybe you know maybe I shouldn't do it I I knew that I wanted to do it and I just had to get over the nerves so uh, and then I don't know like a year or two later I remember thinking oh I don't I feel like great I have great energy now like I'm still nervous but it's you know adrenaline it's not like nausea so um, yeah, I just kept singing, and um, and I started working in the industry. I think to learn the other side of it. So I worked in a um, management company, Virgin Records, um, the Harbour Agency, which is like a band booking agency. And uh, I do remember wanting to join uh, an original band or start one, but I sort of didn't really know the musician. So I started auditioning. Um, but it scared the shit out of me. I, I, I just, I always remember this one time where I, it was in North Sydney and I drove over the bridge and I was like <sighs> in the car the whole way there, just walking into a room of strangers and having to sing. And I can't remember whether we would, maybe we didn't even know what we were singing or playing. So it was like, um, you know, I might've just been like, right, well, we'll just play a groove and you can just sing. I mean, that scared the shit out of me at that age. Um, I mean, it still does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when was that when you're hyperventilating over the Sydney Harbour Bridge? Oh, just, you know, around the time like when I was out of school, probably finished uni, working okay, cool. in the industry, but yeah. wanting to sing more, wanting to find a new band because, um, you know, I didn't want to sing covers. I just wanted to be do write, start writing music. And, uh, yeah, I remember turning up at this studio and I pulled up outside and I was like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And I was like, no. And I drive away. (laughs) But then I was halfway back over the Harbour Bridge and I was like, Cass, eager, get your shit together, turn around and go back and do this just, you know, just even for the the experience of having the audition because one less, one more failed audition means you're closer to a successful one, you know. So it's like one more no is, is closer to a yes. So I forced myself to do it and it was horrible and I didn't get the gig. Um, but I ended up doing an audition for one, for, for a band and walked in, sang, I think it was a baby animals song, which is an Australian band. Um, 
And I was like, I didn't really know how I went, but they were like, okay, cool. Well, that was good. Yeah. So why don't you wait outside and we'll just have a little chat. And I'm outside thinking, oh, another failed audition. Anyway, and um, it was a band. They walked out and they were like, right, you've got the gig. And that was my first original band. I wrote, you know, an album's worth of stuff. We recorded and released it. And Dave is still my friend and brother, you know, the guitarist in the band. And he said that they were inside just going like, are you shitting me? Oh, my God, she's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, it's just so beautiful to hear that. We're all so unsure of ourselves. I'm out there going like, oh, my God, what, did I do a good job? You know, and he said they were in there going like, oh, my God, she's too good for us. Like we're not good enough. You know, everybody's thinking they're not worthy and not good enough. It's crazy. And then in spite of that, we came together anyway and, you know, made something that didn't exist before that happened. So, you know, it's uh, it's about, yeah, it's about feeling shit scared, terrified, terrified and, and scrap, you know, just giving yourself permission to do it anyway, terribly, scrappily and, you know, and knowing that you do get better because I'm so much better than that. But at the time that was as good as I was and it was enough, you know. You'll always find collaborators in this universe that meet where you're at and want to join with forces with you. Definitely. We're all just energy vibrating at different frequencies, right? So you're going to find people that are on your wavelength and as you upskill and get better, you'll keep finding people who are moving up with you and yeah. you keep meeting that talent. And what I love about that story, there are so many things. One, the pushing through your fears and doing it anyways. I, when I worked in sales, I had a a rule, a hard and fast rule. If something scared me, I made myself do it because you're always having to call people back and going back in, asking for the business. And, and the rejection sometimes is just like, uh, you mm. know, but that became my rule. Okay, shit, I'm so scared right now. I have to do it. The next one is what you were saying about you didn't think that you did a great job and they were in there saying, oh my God, she's too good for me. It's like we make up all of this self-talk. We make up all of these opinions that other people have of us that have no basis in reality. They have a basis in our own fears or limitations. or, And it's never the actual story. Mm -mm. It's never about you. It just never is. So I love that story for all of those reasons, because it's just about pushing past those fears to get to the juice. So after Baby Animals... They were a really cool band in the... When was it? 90s maybe? Um, or Naughties. Uh Yeah, very cool. Big Aussie band. Great. Right. Female singer. Yeah, really cool. Oh, cool. Okay. So after that, what was kind of the next foray into, because you, you got into songwriting and you, you've done yes. so many other things from then. So, so I, well, um, one day my guitar, the guitarist from that band came over and we were, I guess we were just mucking about and I played him uh because uh, that's right, I'd been writing, they had been jamming themselves and I, I joined them and wrote uh, melodies and lyrics to their songs. And then for the first time I played him a song of mine, which was called Lay Your Trust, which was about living in this apartment block in Bondi at the time. And he said, Cass, we need to go do some open mics with this or songwriting comps or something. Um, and so the two of us started doing that and he really... That's why I always have total respect for him and, and love for him because he, you know, you meet those people along the way that just that um, give you permission, you know. I didn't think the song was anything but now it's like I love that song. It's one of my favourite songs, you know, it's from my first album. Um, 
and but he gave me permission to do it and support and encouragement and came along for the ride with me and pushed me and I kept writing and then we, we'd write together and, um, you know, and that kind of really inspired me to keep going and step it up. And so that band kind of eventually fell apart and everyone was saying, you know, just um, just do open mic nights, which I did. Uh, I did open mic nights for about a year and then I remember being at my boyfriend's place at the time and saying, you know what, I'm done with open mic nights because they don't pay anything. I want to get paid. I want to start getting paid. And that was probably the first experience I had of like actual like, and that was weird. It was almost instant manifestation, right? I said, I'm not, I'm not doing any more free gigs. That's it. My foot's down. An hour later, I got a call and it was for a gig that paid money. And I was like, oh my what God. the... Speaking it into existence. Uh-huh. Uh, I did an episode about five episodes ago about the science behind the power of our words and it's and how they create our reality. And this image that I got when I was talking about it, like a little download, if you will, was me speaking. And as I was speaking, it was building the reality in front of me. Like the words were coming out and building the house and building the chair and building the, all the different things. And that speaks to that no mm. pun intended, that the words that you speak, be, be very mindful mm. about the words you choose about yourself, about your potential, about declaring your intentions, mm -hmm. because that creates a resonance and the opportunities come to you. So, oh my God, I hadn't heard that story before. So what happened from there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, I've been performing my whole life. I do tours up and down the East coast of Australia, um, over to the States and Canada and, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I've lived a life on the road, like made records and I mean, it was just heavenly. And then, um, I, I, uh, met my husband who was a drummer who was touring with us in another band and I started opening for them and then, and then they'd sort of jump up with me and then I'd jump up and sing with them and it was all, you know, it was all in the family. We even did a tour called the Family Vacation Tour. Oh, nice. Um, was this before the kids were born? I Actually, I think maybe one of them was born by then, yeah. Okay. So we we both had partners at the time but we, you know, at some point we found ourselves um, single at the same time and, you know, and so we... Uh, Ready to mingle? Got it on. Yeah. Let's get it on. Oh, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and if you ever meet her husband, um, John, well, we call him Howler, but John Howell, yep. right? It's just the vibe between you two if you're talking about energy and creating your reality. And a lot of people are out there looking for a partner and all the things. But like when you meet you two, it's like you are on the same wavelength. The, the love and the passion is still there. And it's really beautiful to watch. Is music a big piece of that? I guess because we're in the same industry, it helps because we understand each other and we understand, you know, how important it is. Um, yeah, he's just an amazing human being. And there were men before him and some of which asked me to marry them and one of which I said yes to and then, and then didn't. Um, but <clears throat> they just, I think I was just waiting for someone who would let me be me and that was him really because that's the most beautiful thing in our relationship. We just had our 12-year wedding anniversary and, you know, he just, you know, I was travelling over to LA, which I do now um, several times a year and I was over there and my producer was like, how 
does your husband let you come over here? First of all, let me know. Um, I was like, he doesn't let me. Like he, I want to do it and he supports me in that. He, he doesn't, he knows that I was an independent, strong woman, which I, you know, obviously got from my parents. Um, and, you know, I'd need alone time and, I'd, and, I ha- and I was obsessed with travel and adventure and new experiences before we met and he, has, he hasn't tried to stop that. He hasn't tried to squash it. He knows that that's what I need as a, as a human, uh, as a spirit and, you know, and, le- and lets me do it. So yeah. <laughs> he gives you free space to roam. I think yeah. I asked you the same thing. I was like, Howler lets you go and you're like, he doesn't let me do anything. <laughs> I just go. I, I am the queen and he is my king. He yeah. is a very, he is the king. He is the king. He's my king. And, you know, and he does, he treats me like a queen, which is, you know, a beautiful, it's a beautiful, respectful relationship that hasn't, hasn't, that hasn't changed over the years. Oh, that's so beautiful. Something that you touched on before was your, your songwriter friend, Dave, who yes. you did the touring with. And it made me think about your tribe and the people that you surround yourself with and having people around you that lift you up and encourage you to act on your dreams. And I think that's a very important tenet of creation is the people that are around you, they should inspire you and all of those things. So I can can imagine in the music industry, there's a lot of different personalities. And how have you cultivated your tribe kind of working through that and being in the music industry for so long? Mm. You know, it's funny. I <clears throat> I don't really, you know how pe- there's a, you know, musicians have a reputation or artists have a reputation of, you know, big egos and I mean, I think there are a, perhaps there are obviously, you know, artists and musicians that do have that, but I don't the ones that I choose to align myself with are like beautiful, soulful, sensitive, creative, you know, beings and they're like lovely people and yeah, this I'm. I feel so grateful every day that I get to, you know, live in in creativity and collaboration with um, other creatives who are who have decided and are willing to put themselves on the line or give themselves permission to do what it is they know they're here for. You know, their purpose. Um, and yeah, so they're they're some of the most beautiful people I've met, and you know, and and I still keep meeting them. And and as you said before, you know, like wherever you are or whatever wavelength you're on, you'll meet people that are like that. And it's so true because, you know, that's kind of how I met my producer um, in LA. He was at a panel at a conference I was at and he had sort of critiqued a song that we got to play in the panel. Um, and then when I when I would be over overseas, I just had, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, song? totally. Go uh, for it. My philosophy is fuck it. <laughs> yeah, just go for it. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Um, I don't think there's any kids listening. Uh, um, you know, it's just funny because here I'm like, oh, you know, I really wanted to go and talk to him after the panel. And, I, you know, I think if it was here, I would be like, oh, I don't know, something kicks in over there because I think I've just made the effort of going all the way over there and and I'm, I'm freer and I'm like I just have, I sort of have more of a sense of unlimited possibility. I'm not like locked into my the environment that I'm used to being in. And so, yeah, my philosophy is fuck it. So I just went out after the panel and walked up to him and we we had a challenge where we had to record something for, a, you know, a, a pitch for a film and TV search or something and um, through the conference. And I, I said, oh, you know, we're looking for a studio nearby. And he said, he said, oh, well, you could come to my studio. 
And I was like, what? You know, and, and then he goes, yeah, you know, how can you come now? And I was like, um, okay, yeah. So, you know, if I hadn't have walked up and said that, and he's now my producer who has just produced an entire album with me. We went back to the studio with my co-writer who was also at the conference. I walked, I loved that. I walked in she was sitting there still in the conference and I was like, hey, we got to go. You know, we're going back to the producer's studio. She's like, what? Like, it was like <laughs> what did you just do? Yeah, you're like, I made magic happen. Okay, follow me. Here we go. Yeah. And then we're in there and he goes, you know, oh, I wish I was producing this song. And we were like, okay, you know. And then, yeah, from there, you know, I, I went back a couple of times and did a couple more songs. And then he's like, you should do an EP. And then, you know, and then we've just been recording and collating the songs and we've got a whole album coming out in February. Oh, so he was your producer for the album uh, that has If I Were Your King. Yes. Yes. Did I say that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, if I were, if you were, if you were my, my king. king. Yes. If you're my <laughs> king, which is like one of my favorite songs. I can't lie. I butchered that. Um, I, I've heard those songs when we were at Broad Beach and I cannot wait for that album to come out. One of the songs that you sang in Broad Beach that has such a beautiful story to it is The Reverend. Mm. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that was <clears throat> that was about my um, visit to Memphis. So I was traveling through the states with a an American musician called Bob Egan, who um, used to play pedal steel in a band called Wilco, and and was in a Canadian band called Blue Rodeo. Anyway, I think we were doing a showcase at South by Southwest in in Austin, and he had to get back to Canada to record. So he said, "Look, uh, it was his car, and we were doing this massive road trip." And so he said. You can either we can either go to New Orleans or Memphis. We can't do both, so you have to decide. And I, I hadn't been to either at that point, and I was now I've been to both, thank God. But at that time, and I, it was such a hard decision to make. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Mem- I I just chose Memphis for some reason. So, um, we, but we passed a sign that said 37 miles to New Orleans, and I was like, no. <laughs> um. Anyway, we get to Memphis. It's Saturday night. We go out and see, you know, some really cool local music. And then the next morning we wake up and he said, come on, we're going to church. And I was like, oh, okay. Like not something I'd normally do on a Sunday morning, but hey, we're in Memphis and it's going to probably be very, very cool here. So we go to this tiny little white church down this little side street, very innocuous, and we walk in and sit down and it's, you know, there's maybe 30 people in the in the um, scattered in the chairs in the audience. And then the, this band walks out and then this robed choir walks out and I'm just thinking, oh, my God. And then this. It's about to happen. Yeah. And then this, uh, the, and then the reverend walks out and, and I look at him and I'm like, and I look at Bob and I look back at him and I look at Bob and Bob looks at me and goes, uh-huh. And it was uh, Al Green. It was, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. So we had the three-hour Sunday morning gospel explosion of Al Green, which was a show. It was a show. It was like seeing him in concert, but in the church it was, oh, my God. It went from a whisper to a scream. You know, he was up and down the aisles. He was on his knees. He was crying. You know, we all were. He blessed us. He blessed some of us. Like he he blessed me, he said. Uh, at the end he sat down and he kind of pointed some people out and he pointed at me and I looked behind me and he goes, no, no, don't be don't be turning around. I'm, I'm pointing at you, girl. <laughs> And I was like, oh, and and uh, and he said, yeah, good things going to happen to you, girl. I can feel it in my bones. Oh, and he's <laughs> right. Oh my god. So yeah, so I say I've been blessed by the Reverend. But yeah, we I ended up writing a song about it called the Reverend. Ah, oh, do you? Uh, oh, I'm like, I, I you're, I'm gonna ask you to sing so many songs. <laughs> do you know? Do you remember any little piece of it? 
um, uh, left trouble behind us, found hope up ahead. 37 miles to New Orleans, came to Memphis instead. Now it's Sunday morning, my friend is wanting to pray. Well, I ain't much of the praying kind, but I got a feeling today. Oh, oh, oh. in a little white church, down a little side street, we'll come together in the church of Mr. Green. Oh my God, that is excellent. <laughs> oh, that is the best story ever. And it's a big piece of intentional creation. Part of that is following the breadcrumbs. Mm. And you did exactly that. And in your other story too with the producer, but it's just saying yes to things. Well, you know, the only reason that I was in the car with Bob was because I did a tour with him in uh, Vancouver. and. Um, it was one. It was a one-off show, and then I had another gig with him a week later. And my boyfriend had set it up, who was Canadian, and um, he loved Bob. I'd never met him before or heard of him, and we did this show together. And for some reason, I ended up just jumping up with him at his on his set and doing some harmonies. And then we were backstage after the gig, and you know, and he said, "Oh, what are you doing between now and the next gig?" And I said, "Oh, nothing. Just hanging out back at you know my boyfriend's house." And I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I've got a." got a gig at a festival, I've got a gig at a winery, you know, I've got a, couple, I've got a private con- house concert. And then he said, you know, you should come. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so there I was driving off into the night. I did have a moment of like, what the hell am I doing? But, uh, you know, that's the breadcrumb. I drove driving off into the night and that's where the actual first two lines come from, the Reverend, because funnily enough, the, it's left trouble behind us, found hope up ahead. So Trouble was the name of the sound guy at that gig. His trouble. name was Trouble. <laughs> and then the first, we drove off into the night that night and and stopped at a motel in a tiny little town and I said, where are we? And he said, Hope. Oh, my God, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I feel like songwriting lends itself, well, obviously the best songs are about real experiences and life and all of the things. And it's almost like the the life that you're that you're creating, the reality that you've created is lending itself to these really beautiful songs that you can then capture for for eternity, really. It's never gonna end. Mm. Well, there was one particularly one moment where so I had two kids with my hus- beautiful husband. Um, but after the second one, I just I I just I found myself, I think, you know, just being a mom with a baby hanging off my boob and, you know, like in my pajamas at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I was just, I never stopped gigging because Halla, my husband is also my booking agent. So that was great. Um, but I just, I, for a moment, I thought maybe I'm, maybe I'm done. You know, I sort of couldn't write a song. I was a bit stuck. And I think what had happened was I just, I just needed a new challenge or I needed to find a way to make it fun again. And, um, and so it was almost like starting over. So I, I, I listened to a woman that I heard on a podcast who now has her own podcast, one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, what's her name? Kathy Heller. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of her. It's called um, Give uh, – what's it called? Give Up – no, Don't Keep Your Day Job it's called. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll link it in the cool. show notes. So she was a musician who started writing for Sync, which means um, placing songs in film and television. And I reached out to her, sent her a song, and she said, oh um, – you know, I'm just, um, the, this music's not right, but I'm running a course that teaches you how to write for, you know, film and TV. 
not specifically, you know, not writing jingles or anything, but basically writing original songs, but, you know, with sync in mind, like knowing what, you know, what they're after kind of thing, like because they like a lot of drama or songs for ads like, you know, swagger and fun and attitude and grit, uh, which is kind of my bag. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's like totally uh, a jam. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up doing this course and and she said she was doing it so then she could sign people to her agency, which true to her word she did. So she signed the first song I wrote and the second song actually and they both got placements, one with a McDonald's ad and one in a reality, well, one, the second one's actually been several times in a Hyundai commercial. Oh, yeah, that's had reality like millions TV of show. streams, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, but I remember that, so I, the very first time I went over there was to a conference she was putting on that was for for songwriters and I met so many amazing songwriters and I was so scared. I was shit scared, but I did it anyway. And I remember thinking, and I had such a great time. I've been now, you know, LA is like home away from home. I, I always say that the first time I went there, I felt like a stranger. The second time I felt like I had some friends. The third time I felt like I had family, you know, and now I, one of my best friends and creative collaborators, songwriters lives over there and, you know, it's literally home away from home. Like her home is my home and, you know. Well, didn't you want to move there? Oh yeah, well you know it'll happen. Green card lottery closes today, so I gotta get my uh, gotta get oh. my gotta get my gamble on. <laughs> Wait, do you put your the green card? Do you put your name in for the green card yeah. lottery? Yeah, yeah. How how often is that? Like every, every year, I think. Oh, it closes today though, so I've got to get my shit together. Okay, yeah. To, well, it closes. Uh, we're tomorrow. in the future. Yeah, we're, yeah, in, the we're future. in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, I got a day up my sleeve. But yeah, but I was just gonna say that one that very first trip when I was in LA, I there was this amazing Japanese restaurant that was in an old castle and it sits above Hollywood and it looks out over LA and all the lights. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to book myself a table there. It was the last night in LA and I found out what time sunset was and I booked myself a table. God, I sound organised. booked myself a table for half an hour before sunset <laughs> and I, not, like I didn't really have, because I was still a, sort of a stranger in LA and went by myself my, got my, ordered a glass of champagne, watched the sunset, and I just remember being the most proud of myself I've ever been my entire life for getting myself out of my comfort zone, finding a way to make, to to challenge myself again, to make life fun again, to, you know, and push myself out of my very comfortable comfort zone that I could have stayed in. It almost felt like phase two of life, you know, and I was like I was so empowered, so invincible in that moment, like sitting up on on that castle on the hill drinking champagne. I wrote a song about it. It's called Party of One. Oh, how does it go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you do this the whole time. Uh, it do goes, you remember? Uh, and this is the chorus goes, um, and here I am, a party of one, drinking champagne at the chateau on the hill. A million lights come on at... No, hang on. Shit. Um, hang on. Wait, I need to... <laughs> cut that bit. You're going to yeah, cut, cut that, that bit? bit? You're not going to cut that bit. <laughs> I love it when you say, people say, I'll just cut that bit and then it's still in. <laughs> um, it goes, and here I am, a party of one, drinking champagne at the Chateau on the hill. A million lights come up as the sun goes down. There's only me around and my party of one. Oh, Cass, that's beautiful. 
oh, I love so much about that story and that song. One, if you're thinking about intentional creation, celebrating your wins is mm. a huge one, is celebrating the milestones, how far you've come, getting yourself out of your comfort zone, like what you said, because a lot of people are too scared to get out of get out of the space where they are just feeling like life is just going with the flow. But those are the moments where you look back and you say, God, I wish I would have acted on other on my dreams. I wish I would have acted on that idea that I had. And mm. so you sitting there and and toasting yourself to like we did it is a huge way that you create and you create more of that because you're changing your frequency. You're you're in this energy of gratitude mm-hmm. that brings more of that to you. Yes. And I'm recognizing that more and more since since phase two of my life. I feel I really feel like it's, you know, 2.0. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. And imagine if I hadn't have done it. I mean, I thought I was done. And I think that was just fear or boredom or comfort. It's comfortable in the comfort zone, you know, but that's not fun. I mean, we're here to grow and expand. And now I've made the best music I've made to date. I mean, I love this album so much that it, and it wouldn't have existed if I just stayed in my dressing gown. Exactly. Well, you know, and I think after having kids as well, it's easy. I talk to a lot of moms who feel depleted, who feel like uh, motherhood is you, that you lose a bit of themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, because you do, you have to sacrifice, you know, yourself, you, you know, you have to, which is a beautiful thing about it. You you become more selfless and less selfish. Um, and, and, but you recognize love. I mean, your heart opens more than it, my heart opened more than it had ever opened before. Um, and that's why I love saying, you know, to, I say to my little seven-year-old, I love you with all my heart. And she's like, how can you love me with all your heart? Don't you love Henry too? And I say, yeah, but my heart, my heart, I loved Henry with all my heart. I, I, I love him still to, with all my heart. But when you were born, my heart expanded so it got even bigger and now I love you both with all my heart. Like, you know, it, it's, <laughs> that. it, that's exactly how it felt. So it's about, yeah, carrying that feeling of that open heart and love and gratitude and, you know, high, just high vibration and feeling good. I mean, you know. Yeah, I've become obsessed with Abraham lately. Um, oh, we're going to see her in Sydney this weekend, remember? <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I can't Me tell too. you. So, I mean, I love just, I just love, first of all, I love remembering that, like, I get really in my head and I do overthink things and I do, and I, and I do get stuck and I do question, you know, things. And the thing that breaks me out of that is, is perspective and, and distance and remembering that, actually, this is such a short life and we're only here temporarily and we're here as souls choosing to be here to have a fun, adventurous, expansive, you know, loving life and, and with challenges and, and new experiences and, and, you know, and contrast. And, but uh, like when you, when, when I remember that, it just, I remember to lighten up, you know, because, stop being in your head and stop overthinking everything. Who cares if you make one wrong decision? Like we're here to have fun and we're here to live and love and, you know, get messy and and be creative and, and make mistakes and come out the other side better for it. Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't have said that better. It's It's pushing past 
any of the fears that you have. We talked earlier before we started recording about imposter syndrome. And even now with all of the success that you've had and all of the experience and hi, everyone's now heard your voice. It's incredible next level. If I were to come back in another lifetime, I would want your voice. <laughs> if I have anybody's, I'm like, I want to be cast in my next life. But um, you still, and when I was starting this podcast, like all the things, it's any any time you're you're stepping into a new way of being, and even when you're refining skills for with a tool that you've used for years and years and years, there's always going to be that doubt. Mm, and you were saying before always. that you had the, a, a boyfriend that yes, he was a comedian, a, a very well known Australian comedian, sold out several nights at the Opera House in Sydney, so huge, you know, um, and they sold out, you know, within days kind of thing. He's there at, I always remember he told me he was behind the curtain peering out at this sold-out crowd that were all there for him, a one-man show on stage, and he he was like, he told me that he was thinking, why are all these people here to see me, you know, wow. still at that level? And I don't think that would ever go away because, um, because hopefully you're always pushing yourself out of the comfort zone into uncomfortability, which is like, which is expansion, you know, and that's the only thing that keeps us moving forward. It's funny. I'm, there's a guy I love called Ben, ben Hardy and he, he um, talks a lot about the future self and, you know, psychologists used to think historically that we were a product of our past experiences but now, you know, recently it's turned around and it's, it's more like, um, you know, Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning which is like a spectacular book. He was, you know, in Auschwitz and um, he found that he, he he said that he could tell when people were going to die because basically they'd just lost any sense of hope or purpose because we need, it's our future that actually gives us passion and drive and energy and it's our future that's pulling us, not our past. I mean, you can let your past pull you, but the future is so much more enticing. You, you can let the past go and just, you know, make a decision to not let that define you and just, you know, decide what you want your future to look like and and then step into that. Like that's what Abraham says a lot too, you know, step in, like don't wait for the million dollars to be happy. Be happy now, get to that vibration, feel good, and then the money will come to you, you know. It's like it's my mom has this great story of when she was travelling and she was outside this hotel. I always remember this quote. She was it was a very, very hot day. I think she was in India or Pakistan or somewhere and um, there was a taxi but it was a bit further down um, and it hadn't driven up to the hotel and uh, there was a porter outside. Anyway, she started to walk towards the taxi and the porter came up to her and he said, um, do not travel, do not trouble yourself, madam. Let the taxi come to you. And I just think that's such a great, I always remember that. I I actually quote that quite a lot in random instances throughout my life. Like, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't push it, don't force it, just decide what you want and let it come to you. You know, it's the art of allowing. It's the art of allowing. It's the art of getting in the, in the vibration, the feeling of who it is that you want to be mm. and then allowing the experiences, everything to come to you. And then you can say, Yay, or you can say nay. Absolutely. Ah, oh, you know, that reminds me. And it's so much fun putting yourself in that vibe anyway. Like I put myself on stage at the Grammys holding the award saying thank you, you know. And does it matter if I don't get there? I'm not going to be, I'm not going to die an unhappy person if I don't stand there with my Grammy in my hand and my acceptance speech. 
just imagining that and drawing and letting that draw, like pull pull me towards that is so much fun, you know. It's like be satisfied with where you are but eager for more. Oh, I love it. Cass Eager. <laughs> Cass Eager for more. Cass Eager for more. Oh, is that your American accent? Hi. <laughs> I love it. Uh, when you were chatting, I, it was reminding me of this story when we were at that birthday party and you were talking about the um, the concepts of ideas in the ether and how they like float over you. And that was when you had your Ben Harper dream too that we were chatting about that felt so real. Oh, yeah. But if we, I believe that we're multidimensional beings having a human experience and we're having a lot of different experiences right now in this now moment. And that will... That will tie in a bit to your, if we want to go into your Ben Harper story, but before with the, with the ideas, with the, cause I'm like somewhere you are married to Ben Harper <laughs> on a beach somewhere. You had a dream, right? I did. Yeah. We, we had a torrid love affair and ended with us being together, me, me holding his baby. But the, be- the funniest part of the dream was him coming out at the, uh, he was, I was in the garden hot, cradling the baby. And he walks out with his guitar and he goes, Cass, I've just written the best song of my entire career. And in my head, I remember thinking, wait, this is a dream. So if I can remember this song, then I can release it and it can be the best song of my career. But that was so powerful, that thought that it snapped me out of it. Because no. he, he said, it goes like this. And he raised his hand to play the first chord on the guitar and I woke up. No. <laughs> Oh, well, Ben Harper, if you're listening and you have had the same dream, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Connect with Cass. We need this song. Oh, but no, the point of that, I know I'm like got off on a tangent, but the point, the um, the ideas, you had this really cool concept you were talking about. Do you remember that when you were talking about yeah. acting on inspiration and how... You, I'll let you tell it. Well, it wasn't. it's not actually my idea. It's Liz Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. So she has a book called Big Magic and she's got a couple of TED Talks on creativity. She's amazing. So she she talks about how the genius used to be this thing that was outside of ourselves and it was something you would call upon and you would call upon it by sitting down and showing up, you know, which is what a lot of people now say for any kind of creative practice is it's not your job to create, it's just your job to sit down and show up and be open, the art of allowing again. So, but her, you know, her um, her talk is on how we've now kind of put the onus on ourselves to be the geniuses and that's too much pressure, you know. It's, we need to remember that it's it's not, it's just us channeling some greater beautiful creative force outside ourselves, we don't have to be, it's not us and, you know, and if it doesn't happen again, you know, it's just so many musicians and creatives turn to drugs and alcohol when they can't live up to this idea of like, you know, whatever their last greatest thing was and, um, and sorry, now I'm going on a tangent. No, that's okay. This is the place for it. (laughs) So um, the idea is that this genius comes and gives you ideas and you have to grab them, otherwise they'll get passed on to the next person. So she tells the story of, I think it was a writer who was out in her field in her field outside her house, sort of gardening or tending to the plants, and she she felt this idea coming to her in the wind and she got up and started running towards the house because she had to beat it. She had to get to the inside with the pad and the piece of and the pencil to write down the idea before the wind passed through her and onto the next house, you know. And I love, love, love that idea. And there's a story she tells, I think, of Tom Waits who's like driving down the highway and gets some great idea for a song. And this does happen to me too. 
and he's like, he's like, are you shitting me? Like, can't, can't you, can't you see I'm driving on the highway? Like I can't pull over, you know? <laughs> Almost like the, the inspiration is an entity. Yeah. It I is. love that. Yeah. It does feel like that. I mean, the entity in my mind is, you know, just my inner being, my soul. I'm like, come on, help me out here, you know? Totally. Um, but funnily enough, I mean, the last time I was with my friend in LA at her house in Topanga and we were writing this song that was kind of reminiscent of Amy Winehouse and she's very, very spiritual too, Steph, my friend in LA. Um, and um, we kind of uh, called upon help to kind of, you know, finish the song. Anyway, we got this very, very strong smell of weed. Oh, because you're in LA. Well, but that's what we thought. There was okay, even yeah, someone yeah, yeah. else down the road in the Airbnb, but we it wasn't them. All the the whole house was locked up. It okay. was oh, it, it was in the house. It was in the house between us, and it just wafted down. And she was just like, "Oh my god, that's Amy Winehouse." Oh my god, <laughs> smelling <laughs> like weed in the afterlife. I love it. I love <sighs> it. Wait, you had another another. Um, tenant of creation that I love, and we talk about this on other episodes, is serendipities and synchronicities and just interesting things happen. And you were telling me this story once about you were in a car and there was like a penny on the ground. Do you remember this? Oh, uh, yes. No, it wasn't a penny. It was a, it was a key. That's right. So again, I was in LA. We were trying to work out what songs to put on this record and what songs to leave off until the next record. And, um, and there's a song in it that my my friend Steph, the universe had been talking to her and telling her that that song really needed to be on this record. She doesn't know why, but that's she just gets the messages and she's. But she didn't want to sort of say to me, you know, tell me that because then uh, you know it's sort of like, well, then it's like, well, the universe says yeah, this, yeah, so you, you know, have so, to do so it. You have to do it. <laughs> but she was like, oh, what about this song? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure about that song. You know, maybe that should wait till the next record. Anyway, there's a there's a line in it about um, quite a pivotal line about you know. Um, uh, the key to your heart, like um, I can't remember the song now, even though it's mine. Yeah, it's fine. But there's, <laughs> yeah, there's something so about the key to unlock your heart. And um, anyway, and she said, oh, well, let's just, we were pulling up at the Malibu Pier, I remember, for dinner. And she said, let's just ask the universe if there's any, you know, to give us a sign about, you know, any song that should definitely be on this record. Because she's sort of in her mind going like, come on, universe, like give us an actual <laughs> sign so Cass can see it too. Yeah. I mean, this is just so much fun playing with all this stuff. 100%. You know. Oh, my God. Yes. It's just joyful. And uh, anyway, so so I'm like, okay, cool. So we get out of the car and we look down and there is a key just sitting on the ground outside the car. And she was like, oh, my God. And that's when she came clean and told me the universe had been telling her to put that song on. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So it's going to make it on the album then, that yes, song? Yes. Okay, definitely. Oh, and you're exactly right. The The joy of all of this, because I think what can get lost in transli- translation with people who don't kind of create in this way or who aren't um, listening for the the inspiration and the cues from the, from the metaphysical, if you will, is that you can really miss out on the joy of life. Because it's like a game. It is. And if you treat it like that, it's it it just it adds another dimension to life mm-hmm. that just connects you with something outside of yourself and connects you with you know, everyone's always trying to be 
uh, reconnecting with their inner child. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you connect with the metaphysical in this way and look for signs and ask for signs and see the signs, see the signs. That's the most joyful part. You're like, like, shit, it worked. (laughs) I mean, literally. So I was pulling out of my driveway the other day and my car started making this noise and flashing this thing on my screen, on my little um, stereo screen that said, wait, 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 wait. I, and this beep, beep, beep. And I, my mum my was in the car and my daughter and I said, what? I have never heard that noise or seen that sign on my car in like the, you know, years we've had it. And I was like, that is so weird. Anyway, and then I, I sort of, you know, it, it made me pause for a minute. And then I went to reverse and there was this like um, person on a scooter that was kind of coming behind me in my blind spot. And I said to mum, you know, I actually probably would have hit that person. The car was, that was the universe yeah, telling exactly. me to wait. Like, and I've never wow. seen it since, haven't seen it before. I'm like, what the hell? Oh my you know? God. It's like. You how, saved how, a life. It also, it also is sort of something to look forward to because I can't wait to get back to spirit to come and like be joyful and playful with all the humans that are having their experience oh, exactly. later. What can we do? What can we do? Let's make the car beep. Yeah. <laughs> or you're like, uh, let's smell like weed. Cue the weed. Let's <laughs> 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 them as they're waiting for a sign from Amy Winehouse. Oh, I love this so much. I could talk to you <laughs> forever. There are so many stories that you told me at your house and just over all the things that we could go on for hours and hours, but I'm cognizant of the time and you've been so gracious today to to share your energy with us. But before you jump into the songs, if you could send a message back to yourself at any age, what would the message be and what age would you send it to? Mm, that's a tricky one. Would the message make a difference? That's the that's the big question. One would is it one, would. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like time machine. Boom. Like it's like a letter. You've written something out in here. I love that idea. Um actually just an aside from that, um the in the in the book Future Self by Ben Hardy, he was, talks about how Mr. Beast, have you heard of Mr. Beast? He's no. a YouTube sensation. So he he's Absolutely massive. But as a, uh, he was like 16, 17 or something, and he made these four videos, which he, um, which one was like six months in the future. So it was him ta- making a video to himself um, now to the person in, in, in six months' time, and then in 12 months' time, and then in, I think it was five years, and then 10 years. So it was, it was him sort of saying, Hi, this is me in six months' time. I hope I have, you know, a million, uh, no, like a hunt, like ten thousand subscribers or whatever, because he was only seventeen. Um, I hope I'm still on YouTube. I hope I'm at college, you know, um, or you know, graduating or whatever. And then the twelve month one was, I hope I'm at college. It, and and there were like videos, you know, to his future self yeah. or from his future self, and he posted them so that they would go live six months, twelve months, five years. So the ten year one hasn't even happened yet, and he is you know, probably the biggest YouTube sensation in the world at, at the moment. Okay. Like, I, I, after you said that, I remember my sister was telling, he does all those crazy videos, crazy. huge productions. Yeah. So okay, the idea yeah. is that he, you know, by actually putting himself literally as his future self in these videos, he's so, he's so um, ingrained in him, like where he wants to be, what he wants to do. And he far surpassed that, you know, but it's this idea of like letting the future pull you instead of the past. So, um, 
Sorry, what was the question? Oh, no, no, no. Well, no. Well, no actually, <laughs> oh, what the message I would tell my, well, myself. Yeah, but well, no, but I want to just touch on that before you before you go to your message is that it's about um, there's a, a practice called scripting. And that's kind of what he's mm. doing is that you're he's you're writing out what is what you're experiencing at a certain time in the future. Mm-hmm. And that creates a frequency that creates a resonance. Him creating these videos as his future self, it's like he's already embodying yes. who it is that he wants to become. And that is such a powerful way to create. Yeah. And because he was doing it on video, he was literally physically embodying, you know, acting out, like not just writing it down, but acting it out as well. Like that's that would probably be even more powerful. We need to jump on our YouTube game. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Wait, so what's the um, what's the message then that you'd send back? Um, cut. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because I was listening to um, someone speak on another podcast and he was talking about how, you know, for people that are looking for their purpose, often it's, solving a problem that your younger self had. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. Because, you know, often in business it's like, well, you know, what, pro- what problem are you solving? What's your solution? Who, who, are you, who is your audience? Like, but the idea that actually, you know, we've all been through challenges or obstacles and, you know, and so who, who better to solve that problem if you've come out of the other side of that you've obviously solved that problem for yourself so then something to do with that is how you can serve humanity like um the greatest in you know so and I, I started thinking well what you know what problems and obstacles did I have and who am I serving and and yeah it was it's kind of a very deep question and I think with wisdom for me and age has come just this sense of self, this sense of strength of queenhood, you know, even though, but I'm not, you know, we're all queens and kings who love them, like not not putting myself above, like all women are queens. We just forget that. We need to remind ourselves of that. And men are kings, absolutely. Um, it's about having that inner strength, that inner power, that belief, that resolve, that resilience, you know, um, and knowing that abundance is everywhere, you can have whatever you want, just that feeling of ultimate power, like life is a game and and everything you do is fun and and just to, you know, use your emotions as a guidance system and feel good. If something feels good, then it's good for you. That's your inner being saying, woohoo, do this. <laughs> and if something doesn't feel good, just stop doing it, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the primary tenet of life, really. Like I, that's what the the biggest thing I love about Abraham. They say that just do what feels good, and and how can you not be happy? You know, I would tell myself. There's a photo I have of myself um, with a guitar in my hand, and I'm I'm probably like seven, and um, and I just I put that up on my wall actually, and I and I just think I would tell myself, you know, just to have fun and just believe in yourself. Know that it's a game. It's only temporary. Life is short. Don't waste time doing things that you don't enjoy doing. You know, do things that make you feel good and that light you up because when you light up, you're going to light other people up. 
You're 100% right. That was so beautiful. In the reel that I make, we're going to have to have that picture of you when you're seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have it? I do, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. You're it's welcome. so nice talking to a friend. This is the first interview I've done with someone I actually know. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, nice. Well, hopefully the first of many. I'm sure after people hear this, they're going to be like, hi, can we have more live sessions with Cass? <laughs> I'm like, absolutely. Oh, well, thank you again for coming on. Let's go ahead and set up for for the jam sesh. All right. All right. Another day, step aside, world. There ain't no stopping me. I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna win. I won't give up and I won't give in. No, the higher I can climb, the more this life is mine. Step aside, world. There ain't no stopping me. I walk to a different drum. Now I'm back on my feet. Said, look out, baby, cause I've got a brand new beat. If you were my key, 
taking over And I were your queen We'd rule forever If you were my king We'd take it over And I were your queen We'd rule forever If you were my king I were your queen We'd be the rise and not the ruin I'd be the richest woman Oh, that ever lived You could be the master I could be a fool I would let you follow You would let me rule You know how dangerous I can be I'm begging you Capture me If you were my king We'd take it over And I were your queen We'd rule forever If you were my king We'd take it over And I were your queen We'd rule forever King, I were your queen. We'd be the rising, not the root. I'd be the richest woman. It's written in the stars. Oh, I would give them to you one by one. If you were my king, we'd take it over. And I were your queen, we'd rule forever. If you were my king, we'd take it over. Yeah, and I were your queen, we'd rule forever. If you were my king, I were your queen. We'd be the rise and not the ruin I'd be the richest woman Oh, that ever lived Thank you so much for joining me today. My intention is always that you leave feeling inspired in some way, in a better mood, armed with some new knowledge to go out and start creating whatever that looks like for you. If you enjoyed the episode and want to stay up to date with the happenings of the show, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And you can also leave us a review in your apps. It's another great way to show your support for the show. If you'd like to stay up to date with Cass and her album information, all the things, you can follow her on Instagram at Cass Eager, E-A-G-E-R. Her website is also another great place to stay up to date on her happenings in her life. I know that her her next single, Back to Gold, drops the 25th of November, and her album drops February of 2023. So you're definitely going to want to check that out and have a beautiful day. Until next time.